Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host. We are back again talking about that longest self-imposed period of unemployment most of you will have in your lifetime. It could be 10 years. It could be 20 years. Heck, it might even become 30 or 40 years. It is what we call retirement. If you would like to learn more about what you can do to get safely through these retirement years, please go to my website, retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you will be able to get access to all of our planning tools, to all of our educational resources to help you navigate the various risks that you're going to face through those retirement years. Today, we're going to be talking about Social Security. This is a very important program for you in retirement. 96% of us will be getting some type of Social Security benefits, but there are risks associated with it that we need to cover, that we need to better understand. Before I do that, though, I would like to give you a little history lesson on the program to help you better understand why we are where we are today with Social Security and what it took to get here. The program was first implemented back in 1935. It was part of the New Deal with America that was signed into law by President Roosevelt. The goal of the program was to solve two problems America was facing at the time. Number one, it needed to have an insurance for those that were getting into retirement so they didn't end up living too long and not having enough money to cover the living expenses that were associated with that. But at the time, average life expectancy was 62, couldn't get benefits until age 65. So many people never saw any benefits out of the program. Although you had people like Ida Mae Fuller ends up living past age 100, she gets substantial benefits out of the program. She was the first person to receive monthly benefits coming out of that program. The other issue they were facing at the time is we'd just come through the Great Depression and you had a slew of retirees, in fact, over 50% of them that were living below the poverty level, really had no options to go back to work. So the program was implemented to help that segment of the population and it's done a pretty good job. Now we've got less than 10% of retirees that are living below the poverty level. But from the initial enactment, what we found is that it slowly transitioned into an expensive retirement program. We all should be very grateful it happened because, again, 96% of us will get benefits, going to pay us an inflation-adjusted stream of income throughout the rest of our life. But with that came problems. With it came struggles inside the program. Financially, how are they going to be able to cover all of that? First started back in 1970s, the late 1970s, the politicians started realizing they had a number of issues that needed to be solved. Finally, 1983, Ronald Reagan brings both sides of the aisle together. They enact laws that stabilize the program, and they did a great job. Currently, based upon the most recent trustee report, not going to run out of benefits until 2034, so an over 50-year fix to the program. Part of that was to start taxing part of the benefits, part of what we'll be talking about today. When it first started, they were only taxing up to 50% of the benefits. That, that was back in 1983. Then 1993, Bill Clinton signs a new law into place where it begins taxing up to 85% of the benefits. And, and then again, all of that's getting put back into the program. Currently, there's about $45 billion each year that goes back into the program just because of this tax, just because of what's being paid inside of there. 
They just released the most recent trustee report. There have been some slight changes from last year's. The biggest thing is that the age or the year that the program's supposed to run out of money was originally slotted last year at 2035. It's now moved down a year, back to 2034. This is something we see going back and forth. It's been 2033 at one time, 2034, 2035. But at that point, the program is slotted to run out of assets. That does not mean that there will no longer be benefits, even if nothing were done. Current structure says that about 80% of benefits would still be paid. All of that being said, though, please know it is my belief that Social Security is going to be around. We find many times that, especially the younger population, they believe that for some reason the program will not be there. And so they're not planning on it. And unfortunately, many times making bad decisions as it relates to the retirement because Social Security is slotted to be about 40% of your retirement income. Why do I say it will be here? Because there are a number of fixes the program can implement, which they will by the time they get there. But also it's so important to our overall economics. If you can imagine taking the baby boomers, one of the largest segments of the population, putting them into retirement and then taking away a bunch of their money, it's going to have impacts on all of us, something that none of us are going to want. So the votes will come in at some point. Unfortunately, based upon the divisions that are happening currently in politics, probably not going to happen until closer to 2033, 2034, which is unfortunate because if they would try to solve the problem today, the impact would be much less, the, the consequences and the things that we would have to do. One of the things that could be done to solve the issue is to increase payroll taxes. And this is one where you'll see that if we we do it today much easier than if we wait until 2030, 2031, 2032. Right now, if they were to increase payroll taxes by about 3.6%, realize that's going to be about 1.8% on the employee, 1.8% on the employer, they could solve the problem for about another 75 years. It would be a long time before we'd start having issues again. We wait until the 2030 years. What we're going to find, that's going to have to go up over 4% to be able to solve the same problem. Now, I'm not promoting that that's the only thing they do. We've got longer longevity. We're living longer. I think that there should be changes to when people are able to get onto Social Security. I think full retirement age needs to be increased because as we look at it, if we don't do these things, and those changes are going to be much more dramatic. They're going to be much more problematic. Hopefully that gives you a good understanding of where we're at. Again, my belief that it's going broke, but we'll never go broke. We'll have these solutions. It's far too important to our overall economics. And they've got a big voting block. Again, when we get to that period of time, what you're going to find is that because we all want it in our retirement, we're going to make those hard decisions. We're going to make those votes to be able to allow that to happen. But as we look to not only the future, but to our own current retirements, there's two problems that we have ourselves with Social Security. There's two risks that are affecting us. Number one is claiming our benefits at the wrong time. You may be shocked to learn that if you make the wrong decision, which unfortunately about 90% of retirees do, you could lose on average. This is an average amount. Some people lose far more. Some people lose less. $111,000 that you could have inside of your retirement during those years that you need the money the most, that you don't often have other sources of income coming in that are providing so much benefit to your retirement. 
But because people don't understand that, they get very excited and they have this fear of missing out. This is something I see all the time when I educate people, when I'm talking to people individually, is they say that if I wait, Dave, if I don't take my benefits as early as I can, what happens if the program does run out of money? What happens if I don't get all the benefits I was entitled to? I can't do that. I've got a claim today where we need to be far more concerned about what I call FORO, fear of running out, not running out of money inside the program, but running out of money ourselves. You take that $111,000, if you were to even invest it, going to turn into hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time you get to the end of your retirement. But even from a spending point, think of the impact that could have on the lifestyle you're going to have in retirement. So instead of getting so concerned about the program itself, the, the consequence, again, if that runs out, you've got far more problems than the fact that you're not going to be getting uh, Social Security in the long term. The, the country's going to have all kinds of issues. But when we look at it individually, which our job is to solve our own problems, if we can solve our own problems, a lot of chaos can go around us and it doesn't have that big of an impact. But we've got to look at that and say, okay, what happens if I claim the benefits early, which just so everyone understands the way this works at full retirement age, which right now at 66 and six months, it's going to continue to increase by two months each year until those of you born 1960 or later, like me, I was born 1970, our full retirement age is going to be 67. At that age, you're entitled to 100% of your benefits. So if you're getting $1,000 from the government, that's what you're entitled to. But if you decide to claim early, which you can as early as 62, understand if your full retirement age is 67, you're only getting $700. You're taking a 30% cut for the rest of your life on the benefits that you're able to receive. Now, if you can wait, which is something I recommend definitely for the highest income earner until age 70, they give you an 8% annual increase from your full retirement age up until you reach age 70. So if full retirement age is 67, that's an overall 24% increase. You're getting $1,240. That's $540 more than the guy that claimed at age 70 or the lady that claimed at age, or at age 62. That's $540 more than the 62 claimer. That's big money when we talk about retirement. If you work with any retirees or if you happen to be one, think about what impact that amount of money could have on your lifestyle and retirement. So as we look at it, what we find is because of life expectancy of retirees, that we need to change our strategy. We don't need to be worried about missing out on the program benefits. We need to be worried about missing out on what we can get because we're living longer. And this is something as well that people have a big misunderstanding of. Government life expectancy. If you go onto the internet and search this, you would find out currently 76.4 years old. Well, if you're going into retirement at age 62 and you run a number of calculators out there, they're going to show you that your break-even is going to happen for most of you after 76.4. So why in the world would I want to wait? Because that life expectancy includes infant mortality, includes accidents happen during your working years, all of those things that would have killed you already by the time you reached retirement. So instead of being 76.4, what real life expectancy for a male once they get to retirement is closer to 84 and for a female is around 88. Well, if that is the case, what we find is for the highest income earner, what we find is break-even is going to happen 
before you reach average life expectancy. And again, at average life expectancy, only half of us have passed away. Now, if you are the lower earning spouse or if you're expecting to get spousal benefits or you've got a unique situation like I do, I have two children that are disabled. They're going to be able to get benefits off of my social security work record for the rest of their lives. Once they start claiming those benefits, those things may change. But what we've got to do is spend more time trying to better understand what it is for us. What's our solution? When should we claim our benefits? And please know it can be calculated. I do thousands of social security calculations each year helping people figure out what they should do to get their maximum benefit. And please also know with this, you've got to be very careful because the other thing that people fall into the trap of is they think, well, if I retire, I've got to immediately start taking Social Security. No, you don't. Those are two mutually exclusive events. You can retire. You can even spend down your other assets substantially. We see this all the time. We run illustrations on this all the time. For most of you, that's still going to work out well because of those delayed retirement credits, the way those guarantees work inside of Social Security. And remembering you're getting that benefit inflation adjusted each year. You're getting COLA increases, which most other assets people have going into the retirement are not inflation adjusted. My recommendation, you need to make sure you get some type of analysis of what your claiming strategy is before you claim your benefits. So you know for yourself, if you're married, you know for your spouse. And again, remember, you're living longer than you expect. What we find as we go across the country, and I look at these statistics, over 50% of you will underestimate your average life expectancy. You're going to live longer than you think you will. 28% of you are going to end up living by more than five years. More than 50% of CPAs will run out of money in retirement, and this number is projected to grow because of risks like inflation, increased longevity, and rising healthcare costs. Retirement Risks Advisors has the perfect solution to help CPAs make their money last as long as they do. Learn more by signing up for our flagship webinar, Getting Safely Through Retirement. In this webinar, we share the top 10 financial risks CPAs will face in retirement and what can be done to reduce or eliminate each risk. To get started, visit retirementriskadvisors.com slash safe. Second issue we have is that taxation issue that got started back in 1983. Back at the time, only about 10% of retirees were subject to this tax. Now what we find is over 40% of retirees are subject to the tax, and that continues to increase because the provisional income thresholds that were put back in place in the 1980s and 90s, they have not been changed, which means that as you have inflation-adjusted Social Security, as we have general inflation that requires you to spend more and more money, more and more of you will be subject to taxation on your Social Security benefits. The problem with this one, folks, is it's going to cause you to run out of money five to seven years faster. So here we sit in an environment where 68% of America is concerned they're going to run out of money before they run out of retirement. 50% of people actually are. And now we're making bad decisions with our Social Security where it's going to get taxed for the rest of our lives. And we're going to take five to seven years off the back end of this. This is why this is such an important issue. This is why it's becoming a disaster that people don't better understand these concepts. Now, you may be saying, Dave, but how do I get to a point where I do not have taxable Social Security? There are two types of income out there that you can have in your retirement. Actually, it comes to three if you do it correctly. But two main types we'll talk about. We'll talk a little bit about the third that you can have that are not subject to provisional income. The first of these are anything with the name of Roth. So instead of putting your money in that tax deferred account that's going to grow and you're going to have to take big RMDs out and that's going to cause taxation of Social 
Security because of provisional income, you want your money in Roth accounts, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth annuities, whatever the case may be, you want that Roth name because not only will it not be taxed, but it will not cause provisional income. The other one is income coming out of a permanent life insurance policy. Many people don't understand that you can buy permanent insurance, not just for the death benefit, but for many living benefits. And one of those is the ability to take money out during your retirement years tax-free, not subject to provisional income laws. So you're not having social security tax, as well as an opportunity for most new insurance policies to use as a chronic illness rider or coverage that will cover a long-term care event. So as we look at these two types of income, what we find is if we can get assets inside of here and we can get our income inside of there, we can get ourselves to a point where we're not going to have enough provisional income to end up having tax on our Social Security benefits. And this is really where the third source comes in. That is your traditional account. Remember, we have a standard deduction right now, depending on what age you are, it's going to be somewhere between $25,000 and $29,000 that you're able to take as a deduction against whatever income you have for that year. That means that if you get into retirement and you have some in your tax deferred bucket, you have to start taking RMDs at 73 if you were born before 1960 or you're born 1960 or later at age 75. When that RMD comes out, if you've got the right amount in that bucket, it's going to get offset with your standard deduction and it's not going to be high enough to cause provisional income, you're going to be able to get all that tax-free as well and not have this reduction of five to seven years on the amount of money that you're bring into your retirement that's going to get cut off that you're going to end up losing. So very important, folks, as you look at these two risks, we need to save our hundred plus thousand dollars we're losing because we make the wrong claiming strategy. We need to save the five to seven years of money that we have because we end up paying tax on our benefits. And this is why what we do is so important. If you lay the right foundation for your retirement, if you structure things the way they should be, you're able to take this risk off the table along with all the other risks that we talk about. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of doing this type of planning. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of addressing Social Security, making sure you understand this. And it's very sad for me to see most of you will spend more time planning your next vacation than you will thinking about this. You just said in your mind that I'm going to claim at a given age. I'm going to retire at this point. I'm going to claim my Social Security. You don't give it the attention you should. So instead, you're spending your time figuring out where you're going to ski in Vell, Colorado. You figure out what you're going to do on the beaches of the Caribbean. You need to start making this a priority. I will tell you, when you look at this from a taxation standpoint, the earlier you can start, the better. If you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and you can get money into your Roth accounts, you can get these permanent life insurance policies, going to be much better for you to solve that issue than trying to solve it in your 50s, 60s, 70s. We do it, but it requires a lot of large conversions. It requires a lot of tax being paid, and we believe taxes will be higher in the future than they are today, so it still makes sense to do the conversions not only from a tax side, but to get out of the provisional income. From a claiming side, what I tell people is right around age 60. This is not something because there's too much uncertainty in the benefits and everything else you'll get. Probably need to do in your 40s or 50s. Wait till you get into your early 60s and then start figuring out 
what strategy you're going to use unless you're already going into retirement. But remember, really up until the time you have to make that decision, you're still probably going to want to do an analysis. I do a follow-up analysis all the time that we say, okay, based upon where we are today at 60, let's see what it looks like. Looks like the higher income earner should claim at 70. Lower income earner may claim at 67, uh, 66, somewhere in there. And then as you get to those ages right before or a year or two before, we run another analysis and make sure that that is still the right situation based upon your new facts and circumstances. Folks, it is so critical we eliminate these risks. That's why I do what I do. My new book, Good News for You, is almost done. It's in the final edit phases. We've actually published a few copies so we can send them out, get some reviews on the book, and then we're going to do our final print, have that available. It's going to go through all these risks. It's going to go through all the things that you need to do to get yourself where you need to be. Now, all that being said, no need to wait until the book comes out. Go to my website, retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you will get access to our education resources. You can get into our flagship presentation, Getting Safely Through Retirement, where you can learn about each risk. You can learn the problems it creates, and then we'll go on to provide solutions to help you solve these in your retirement. My name's Dave Hall. I'm your host. Look forward to seeing each of you next week, where we'll once again tackle one of these risks that we're going to be facing during our retirement years. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning, and you don't want to miss it. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com.